Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we were created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And if you cannot remember all that, You know how we say it now, 2021. We live, we love, and we serve. Amen, family. We are still in the midst of our series for the month of January. Our theme, well, no, not our theme. Our battle cry for the year, 2021, is based off of what we experienced in 2020. I am resilient. I am resilient, and I'm convinced that among the many things we discovered in 2020, we discovered how resilient we are. And so these past few Sundays, we've been preaching about resiliency. First Sunday of the year, the sermon was resilient in the face of self-confrontation. And then on last Sunday, the sermon was resilient in the face of absurdity. We're going to continue that line of thought, that flow of conscious thought this week. Uh, I have to acknowledge that it is King Weekend with our MLK Day on tomorrow. We had our day of service on yesterday, but that's why I'm representing Daryl Morehouse today, the school of Dr. Martin Luther King, my alma mater. So shout out to Daryl Morehouse and my Morehouse brothers around the world. Amen. I want to draw your attention today to a passage of Scripture found in the Gospel according to Matthew. No matter where you are in your house today, I want you to stand with me. Hopefully you stood with me when we declared our statement of identity. But I want you to stand with me today as I declare, read these words, Matthew 6 verses 19 through 21. And I'm reading today from the Message Bible, Matthew 6, 19 through 21 in the Message Bible. And here's how it reads. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you and we honor you on today. God, we thank you that you have these creative ways of reminding us of our inherent value and worth. 
God, thank you for constantly reminding us with every breath we take that we are enough. Thank you, God, for reinforcing our cosmic significance, our divine appointment. We thank you. We thank you, God. Remind us, O oh God, that we don't have to chase that which we already have. We are strong. We are resilient. We belong to you, O oh God. God, let your word do its own work today. And we'll make sure to open our hearts and our minds and our spirits for your revelation. We stand on tiptoe, oh God, in anticipation of what you will pour in on today. Thank you in advance for what you're about to do through your word. We love you, God. We honor you, God. And it's in your name we pray. And we say, Amen. Amen. Allow me to read that passage of Scripture again, Matthew 6, 19 through 21, in the Message Bible. And it reads like this. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. I want to read that last portion again. The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Amen. I want this morning to speak from the subject, resilient in the face of materialism. Resilient in the face of materialism. Almost four years ago, we had an opportunity as a church to once again go on a mission trip to India. For those who went, including myself, who was going for the first time, it was transformative, impactful, and empowering. There was so much about India that stood in my mind. But I cannot help but remember that as we were there supposedly to minister, how in that small village, outside of Rajamundri, 
we found ourselves being ministered to. It's a strange thing often when we are overtaken by a missionary impulse as though we are bringing what is needed to the places we go, not realizing that so often it is on these journeys of sacred encounter that we often receive what we need. I remember after about four days of ministering, serving, working in that small village, I was awakened in the middle of the night, overwhelmed emotionally, and I found myself crying. I picked up my phone and I started writing in my notes what I felt in my heart. And I want to share with you this morning what I wrote some, well, almost now, four years ago. These are the words from my entry in my journal that night, in the middle of the night. This trip to India has shown me how materialistic we are. And I am ashamed. We don't realize how our addiction to things has robbed us of joy, peace, and happiness. This addiction has made us miserable and petty. We forget what it means to be human when we place supreme value on inanimate objects that don't give life, but those things actually take life. There's nothing more inhumane than when we devalue people, when we devalue one another. What does it say about our humanity when human beings become depreciating assets? What has happened to us? When did we stop seeing one another? We have so much and yet share so little. But I've been in a village where people have so little, yet share so much. Orphans sleep on dirt, but they sing and dance and praise God with a joy that is infectious. When they said hallelujah, it was truly the highest praise. Who are we that in our selfishness, God would be so mindful of us. I pray that God is not just. I pray that God is merciful. How can hell be worse than what we have become? For we are no longer human. To be human is to be made in the image and likeness of God. Look at the hurt we have created. Look at the poverty we have created. Look at the orphans we have created. We are not human. To be human is to love. We have lost our humanity and have become the things we glorify, inanimate objects. Jesus said that where your treasure is, there is where your heart will be also. If our treasure is things and things have no life, then we have no heart. This is why we are unmoved when we see 
so much human suffering, we have lost our hearts. And in a way, God is hurting. God, forgive us, for we know not what we do. The wounded heart of God groans for God's children to remember who they are. We have lost our way and become lovers of death and enemies of life. God has no desire to punish us, for it is we who punish ourselves. It is we who punish one another. It is we who punish the earth. And in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Jesus said, the place where your treasure is, is a place you will most want to be and end up being. Our culture is shaped by materialism. In fact, in some ways, we have traded our title of human for the title of consumer. We measure our value and our worth by that which we consume. We measure our sacredness by what we possess. I once read a definition for materialism that said materialism is buying things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people who don't matter. I'll say that again. Materialism is buying things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people that don't matter. And oftentimes when we're fixated on things, on materialism, we are dwarfed and dehumanized by the possessions we seek. Last year, I found myself doing more engagement with social media. It was obvious we were in the midst and still are in the midst of a pandemic and we had to do more digital engagement. It was the first time that I really intentionally started going on Instagram and paying attention and putting posts. And I realized how many posts, posts after posts, were steeped in shallowness. People posting what they have and trying to show the best parts of themselves and then other people trying to compare themselves to the snapshots that people give us of their lives. Just think about it. No one often posts their worst image. They post their best image. And then we find other people trying to be like other folk who post their best image. Can you imagine when you take the whole of yourself and compare yourself to a snapshot of somebody else? thinking that somehow you're not good enough and people posting their things, their possessions, where they shop, what they have. It seemed like an avalanche of shallowness and insecurity undergirded by a need to be impressive with things that perish and fade away. That we, in many ways, have shaped value systems that are preoccupied with possessions, and the social image they project. It is a sad thing when you have possessions, but then you are possessed by the possessions you have. Brian McGill once said that materialism at the end of the day is really an identity crisis. 
when you're so unbelieving in who you are and so confused about who you are and who you are called to be that you shroud yourself in things and you make the things you possess the center and circumference of your very life. And pretty soon you think you're synonymous with these things. But as I read in my entry from India, the problem is when you try to be the things you possess, when you try to make your value connected to the things you have, the material goods you have, the possessions you have, and those things have no life, you with life then become like those inanimate things dead and perishable in a negative and destructive way, not physically perishable because death is coming to all of us, but it's when you die a death of the soul, the death of the spirit, because somehow you think you need these things that you must have these things, that these things become necessary for you to be who you are. And then we raise a generation infatuated with materialism, thinking that somehow they are measured by what they have. And we reinforce it by making sure we want to make our children look impressive to people that don't matter because we don't want people to think we don't have even when we don't have. And we would rather go into debt being impressive than own the uniqueness of our own humanity. So what we do is we raise our children to have more than we had rather than raising them to be more than we ever were. We raise our children to be more than we had rather than being more than we were. Jesus said, when you put your treasure your value is where you would want to be and what you will become. This is the nature of so much of this cultural moment, infatuated with labels and the trappings of wealth, realizing that all the money in the world can't buy you peace. All the money in the world can't buy you confidence and courage. And all the money in the world can't raise your esteem when you don't believe in yourself. And yet so many in our culture measure ourselves just like we measure depreciating assets. We constantly compare ourselves to things and think that those things make us who we are instead of leaning in to the fullness of who we are as an extension of God. What does it say? When you only talk about what you need to have and don't even realize how you're being manipulated by a system that's designed to make you need what you don't really need, that markets to your insecurity, that markets to your low self-esteem and makes you start believing that you must have this new thing and this next thing and that thing in order to be of value and worth and importance. And because you believe in the narrative that says this, you will get credit cards and bankrupt yourself and bankrupt your emotions in order to have these things to impress people, to make them then look at you a certain way, not realizing that they're not impressed with what you have if you don't believe yourself in the first place. How do you remain resilient in a culture that is infatuated with things and private jets and private yachts and we post pictures of us standing in front of cars that don't even belong to us. Wearing clothes that we take back the next day. 
That's what we've become. Rugged consumers driven by a need to satisfy a thirst we'll never quench. Because the only way to quench this thirst is to be in awe of who God made you to be. How can I compare myself to something that can break when it's dropped? You see, I read that the righteous man or woman falls seven times and gets back up. But there are things you put value in that when they drop, they break, and you actually think they have more value than you. The truth is the only reason they have more value is because you agree with other people that said they have more meaning and more value. And in that agreement, you elevated the worth of these inanimate goods, these these things that you think are priceless, when the truth is you're the only priceless entity in all of God's creation. You actually think a diamond, a ring, a car, a coat, a watch has more value than the tree. You actually believe that all these things that you pay an exorbitant amount of money have more value than a rose. That's what you believe, and that's what we have become. Jesus said this, do not build up treasures in spaces and places and treasures and things that can be consumed by rust and time and decay. He said, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And before you get too holy, you get too super spiritual, and you start thinking, I got to store things up in some place that's in the sweet by and by. No, let me add another verse from Jesus. The kingdom of God, heaven, is within you. So hold on, hold on. Here's Jesus now deconstructing not just his day, but Jesus, but this current day. That, that if your treasure is where you are and what you want to be, and if your treasure is in things, think about that. That means you become synonymous with dead things. And instead, Jesus said, no, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. But wait a minute. Heaven, the kingdom is within. So Jesus is saying that the greatest things that are of value in your life are not what you put on. It's what is within That the greatest things of value are inherent to you. When you learn that, you stop trying to impress people. When you learn that you have more value than anything you could purchase or anything you could buy or anything that you can get with money. And let me drop this in your spirit. Money is an illusion. Oh, I know you're saying no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. It's an agreed upon, it's an agreed upon statement of accounting. Where you actually believe it has value. It doesn't have value. We agree it has value. It is paper. What we're really saying in this country, and this is a whole other sermon, is not that money has value because we have become a country based on debt and credit. And credit and debt are not real, but you feel it. So you go in debt, which is not necessarily real, but it's a construction to maintain poverty. You go into debt to get things to reinforce the poverty structure that reinforces capitalism, that makes you a good consumer, so that somehow being a good consumer means you have value connected to purchasing things that you agree upon have value that have no inherent value more than you. That is where we are. There are people who are billionaires because you don't love yourself industries that control the day because you forgot who you were. People who depend on you wearing your name because you forgot yours. And the way you combat this disease 
is to realize that all that you need is within you. In fact, studies have shown a correlation between materialism and depression, materialism and anxiety, because the more you think you need, the more you get, and the more you get, the more you think you need, the more you need, the more you get, the more you get, the more you think you need, the more you get, you never satisfied. Why are you never satisfied? Because consumerism and materialism also come with this comparing game. And so when you buy, you get, you're not just getting and buying for you, you're getting and buying for others because you're comparing yourself to others and measuring yourself against a false narrative of value and worth. Oh my God, beloved. But when you got up this morning and you took a deep breath, Tell me a watch that has more value than your lungs. Tell me a garment that has more value than the beating of your heart. What good is it to buy everything but not enjoy anything because you're not alive? Let me tell you. I know and have heard and known of many extremely wealthy people. And I said this this week at Midweek Motivation. I've never known or heard a story of an extremely wealthy person who had all the possessions you could imagine on their deathbed want more money. I, I've never heard a story of, a, of, a, of an, a super wealthy person on their deathbed want more planes or more yachts or more clothes or more shoes or more cars or more jewelry. They want more time. And more time is translated into more life. Because at the end of the day, it is life that is for the living. But you no longer become part of the living when you're shaped by that which is dead. No. How do you become resilient in the face of materialism? Stop believing the lies. Believe the truth. You are more than enough. You wake up every day with an abundance of all that God has poured into you. Within you is the power of the universe. You don't purchase peace, you become it. You don't buy joy, you lean into it. You don't chase love, you become it. That is how you become resilient in the face of materialism. Believe in who God made you to be. And understand that the greatest thing you could ever have was given to you at no price. Your life your life. And with every breath you take, remind yourself the value you possess. If we collectively begin to reverse the insanity in this culture and take who we are as followers of the carpenter, seriously. I'm convinced we can change this world.
We live in a world where so much is defined by materialism. We watch shows to see what people have. We read magazines to find out what other people are wearing so that we can pretend we're something or somebody else. Every time you attempt to be something other than who God made you to be, it is an act of ingratitude. It's as if you're saying, God, you should have given me more. And what you gave me wasn't enough. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus had it right. And some translations said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Don't let your heart be consumed by things. Don't let your possessions possess you. We have to shift this cultural moment. Instead of being more greedy, be more giving, be more generous. Be shaped by the things that give life and not destroy. Be in love with the things that are alive and not dead. For you have too much life in you to reduce yourself to things that perish. You are worth more than you could ever imagine. And I don't care what people may have told you. And I don't care about that negative person who tried to speak those negative words into your life and make you feel that you have no value or you had no value. Learn to lean in to the beauty and the gift of who you are. You are resilient, yes. But you can be resilient in the face of materialism and reimagine your entire life. And in reimagining your life, person by person, we can begin to shift this culture. I know we can do it. How do I know? Because we are disciples of the carpenter who said foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. The carpenter said, but I have nowhere to lay my head. He lived life understanding how greed and power can create states of lack. And the way you counter the greed and the power is to be so completely consumed with your self-worth and your value that the creators are the mechanisms of destruction and materialism. Have no one to buy into their false narratives. When we really do this work, certain industries that are based on our insecurity ought to go bankrupt. They ought to disappear.